Welcome to the Hot Ticket Podcast. This is episode 202. On this episode, we get back into a review. This time around, we review and break down the Tatuaje Karloff. This came to us back in October of 2020 as a part of the Monster Series from Tatuaje. Excited to break this cigar down as I have been others in the Monster Series, so let's waste no more time. Let's get into it. The nature of it because we're having a conversation, but it's like it's like watching a video of something and then catching that weird person in the background doing something, and then you're immediately oh. just transfixed on them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a feeling when people actually watch this episode, they're just going to be looking at that the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool. I mean, that's fine too, you know? It's pretty funny. I mean, it is pretty good. So Admittedly so, I think it's hilarious, and I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't actually find that one or come up with it, because I forgot that gifts are in play. Fuck. I lose again. That's okay. As you can see, I'm sporting the wonderful uh, Young Frankenstein theme, which is my all-time favorite movies. Not my all-time. One of my all-time favorite movies. Absolutely incredible. Just kind of weird when you think about it. Think about how many old school movies you and I watched when we were younger. Now, they make this movie appear to be older than what it is because they shoot it in black and white, but it was actually in the 70s. Yeah. But like stylistically, those old movies, like you and I watched like movies from when movies were essentially invented, minus silent films. Mm -hmm. Like um, uh, Abbott and Costello, right? Like we've seen all those so many times. It's kind of interesting to think about how... I don't know. I feel like we're more well-rounded when it comes to films than most people. Like Lauren hasn't seen pretty much anything since like 2000 and before. Oh, geez. Are we recording? Uh, I'm recording not on this, but I'm definitely recording Recording in progress. There we go. (laughs) This is being recorded. (laughs) I missed all Yeah. So anything after 2000 is all that she's seen? Yeah, she hasn't seen like anything. So like if I were to reflect back on movies like Young Frankenstein or even any of the Abbott and Costello series, which I try to convince her as I explain it to her, they're like really, really funny movies. Even for their time, they're hysterical. You have to, I think you have to have an appreciation for like the comedic genius that they were at the time. But she's like, I wouldn't like that. I'm like... Okay. Well, you wouldn't know until you watched it, but they're they're classics and they really are very good. But, you know, like we went to the drive-in movies last year and it was the first time she ever saw Lost Boys or Beetlejuice. How have you never seen either one of those movies? Like it seems it seems almost impossible, right? If you're somebody our age, she just seems so uncultured. She Definitely. is. She is uncultured. It's really ridiculous. And sometimes it makes me really upset too because there I think about how many good movies there are. It just in existence, period. I think And she's I seen think, just a, a small, small, small fraction of those. I think all the original films, like the film because like everything is in it, it like most artistic things, right? Right there's there's like either a resurgence or there's copycats or some type of formula that is derived from the originals right that is right duplicated over and over again that's why movies seem so cliche anymore because you know the hero tropes you've seen similar plots you know how certain characters behave based on personalities and it's it, it's so predictable right right but when you think about film when it started in the early 1900s Dude, it was sky's the limit on everything being an original, like something being truly unique and never seen before. Right. Which makes them so great. That's what makes them so great. Like, yeah, man. You know, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello is like like the modern day dude, where's my car? With Liter- Ash- literally like genius level type work yeah. for the time. Like genius level type work. Yeah. And so, you know, it's so incredible. Yeah. It's so incredibly fascinating to me. Yeah. 
I'm gonna fix my green screen real quick. And it was like the first time you saw monsters like the ones behind us, like actually take film, which was terrifying for the day. Dude, it was yeah. I mean, you remember when grandma used to always say, like the original Wolfman was so scary. Yeah. And then I saw it and laughed. And I was yeah, like, what is scary it. about that? Someone did ask me a few weeks ago, or someone put out like a, I think it was like a poll or something on, um, I want to say it was like a poll on Instagram or something like, it wasn't even a poll, maybe it was just like, ask me a question type thing, but it was like a question that was being asked and it was like, what, something around, something along the lines of like, what movie terrifies you? Like, what's like mm-hmm. the scariest movie you've seen, like when you were a child? And mm-hmm. for me, it was Silver Bullet. That movie Silver always creepy. And I think it's me. because the kid was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And it's hard to get away in a wheelchair. You know Helpless. what I mean? They made him handicapped in the movie, which makes it that much more suspenseful because where is he going to go? I mean, he's in a rocket chair, but there yeah. is a point in time. Gary Busey, so great. There is a point in time in the movie where his rocket chair doesn't start. Yeah. And he's being followed. He's like freaking out. Like, uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah. So that movie terrified me because when it came out, I was super young. And I remember it was like one of the first scary, scary movies I saw. And I also think like the 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 way I, well, I always thought that priest was like super creepy anyway. Yeah. And then the end of the movie to me was terrifying. Where he Dear gets God, into the house, like breaks it Oh, yeah, it's when so have, crazy. And the whole transition from, thing is like crazy in that movie. And you know me, for anybody who does not know, werewolves are my ultimate favorite monster. And they're the yes. most ultimate scary ones to me. I'm fascinated by them, but they terrify me. And I don't care how bad the werewolf movie is. The idea of a werewolf about to slaughter someone or hunt someone terrifies me. So what, in your opinion, is like all-time greatest werewolf movie? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, the first one that ju- uh, jumps to mind is The Howling. What is that, that one? I know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's creepy as shit. The husband and wife, they retreat to a camp that happens to be inhabited by everyone's werewolf. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it was terrifying. What do you think about uh, like American Werewolf in London? That one, that one scared me a lot, and I think it's because I never saw the werewolf until the very end, really. So it's right. like, oh my, like all the death scenes were terrifying. Do you think Silver Bullet stacks up in all-time great werewolf movies? Yeah, but I got to give it to the soundtrack. There's something about the soundtrack oh, of Silver creepy. Bullet, yeah, that is super creepy. I agree with that. What about um, like new school stuff? Like, so what about um, what's the one lady Kate Beckinsale? Oh, what Underworld. A, underworld. What about like Underworld where it's like vampires versus werewolves? It's not really scary, but it's not more scary action right? at all. But the adaptation of what a werewolf like was like, or the lycanthropes that were hybrids, was kind of an interesting concept. Yeah, agreed. Which was like more revealed in the later ones, right? Like then yeah. it was like a common thing, like these hybrids. Yeah. Like nowadays, like the if there was anything that truly did terrify me that we saw, it would be uh paranormal activity. Yeah. The first one. It was so like modern day uh, scary movie, that one. It was so scary and unnerving and suspenseful. It just like, oh, you're just watching people sleep and then you see shit happen over time and you're like, oh my God, that is terrifying. For me, I think it's got to be Strangers or The Conjuring. I thought Paranormal Activity was creepy, but I didn't find it scary. Well, I guess I did in a sense. It, it was scary, but like I think The Conjuring, to me, The Conjuring series is a better series overall. And to me, is a lot more... I think it's a lot more, and it's weird because it's paranormal, right? It's apparitions, which I guess paranormal activity is, I guess, the same thing. But, like, the reason that I like conjuring more than I like paranormal activity is because paranormal activity wasn't necessarily a story. It was just, like, here's these events that occur. It's just, like, watching something in a a ring camera, right? 
But The Conjuring had like a story to it. Like there's a plot and it, dude, the first Conjuring scared the living fuck out of me. Strangers scared me because it's loosely based on a true story. Yeah. And when I say loosely based, it was like this thing happened in Russia, but it wasn't as terrible as the story depicted. But to me, that kind of thing, because it could really happen, terrifies me to no end. That movie remember the de- creeps me Remember out. the descent? Oh, do I remember the descent? Those creepy little fucking vampire things running around in the, Basically the caverns. Like evolved humans that yeah. lived underground. Like evolved in the dark. That was do you creepy. remember the creepy movie uh, Hills Have Eyes? Oh, yeah. With the, all the yeah. fucking radiation people? That was a creepy fucking movie. Hills Have Eyes legitimately scared me. And it was so insanely brutal. Yeah. Like, there's like a legit rape scene in that movie. I mean, it's yeah. fucked up. Like, it's really fucked up. That movie was crazy. I remember seeing that, I think, when we were in high school, going to the theaters and seeing it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Haven't seen it since. But you know what scares me more than any of these things? AIDS. Tax season. <laughs> yeah, tax season's the worst. <laughs> it is scary. Especially when you owe money. <laughs> the government's after you. Yeah, especially when you owe money. You know how I say like people freak out about like not getting money back? Like Lauren didn't yeah. get money back this year because she withdrew money out of other funds and applied them to something else and Mm -hmm. knowing that there was going to be a tax penalty and she's like it just sucks i'm not getting any back i was like yeah but it's all even in the end like that's what people don't understand it's like they're either taking it up front or they're taking it at the back end either way it's the same amount of money the money Mm -hmm. stays the actual amount of money is the same yeah so there is no penalty or anything like that the penalty is just being taxed period yeah but whether or not you get money back doesn't matter because you've either consumed that money up front or you're getting something on the back end. Doesn't really make a difference. Listen, you've got ten apples. You own ten luscious gala apples. And then someone goes, Well, every week I want one apple. And you're like, okay. So you give him an apple. Right? After a couple weeks, you got but, you know, five weeks, you got five apples left. And then you're like, oh, I can hold on to these five apples. And then they go, well, you know what? Actually, I don't know. I, you know what? I don't even know where I'm going with this analogy. I was hoping that this would be a clever analogy using fruit to convey how taxes work. Nope. But I've realized apples just sounds confusing. Mm-hmm. Should just use money. That's why Way I'm going to change it up and we're going to do it using um, bananas. So if you had 10 bananas, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Interchangeable fruits. <laughs> Apples and oranges. Um, so I had something to share with you. Yeah. Because you know how I like crazy stories, right? Yeah. I don't know if this is true or not because it comes to us from Asia. And I don't believe anything really anymore that happens in Asia. But I thought this article was pretty cool. And I'm just going to leave it at this. Man arrested for training dog to throw bricks at people ringing his doorbell. This is in Asia. So apparently this guy had trained his pit bull to pick up bricks and drop them on people who rang his doorbell. And this happened in Asia. I forget where in Asia. I feel like this is something that happens in China. But maybe it doesn't. But the man was apparently arrested because of this which is kind of hilarious. And then I think about it to myself. I go, well, I think that'd be awesome to train a dog to do this. I think it'd be cool to train a dog to pick up a brick and drop it on someone. The problem is, is technically they're not really trespassing, I guess. I mean, how does that work? If someone comes to your door and they're on your property, is that technically trespassing? Like is solicitation trespassing? Mm. That's an interesting question. You know what I mean? Like, how does that work? Because it's know. technically on your property, but is it like eminent domain where it has to be like in your house for it to be cons- like? How does I don't know how that works. But then I guess the defined line in like a backyard is like you cross my fence, you're trespassing, right? You have no trespassing sign. So I guess right. the same thing would be applied to a front yard. So maybe technically, if someone's on his porch. 
Not to say that you can inflict pain, damage, cause harm, or anything like that, but it's like, what rights do you have as somebody who owns a particular piece of property? You know, can yeah. you can you train your dog to do this? I always wonder, like, if someone walks up into my driveway, can I shoot him with a paintball gun? You know what I mean? It's like you're trespassing it, on my property. These are all good questions, and I don't know where the law starts and ends. But what I do have question over is how many cinder blocks are really up there with that dog? Yeah, it's the, that's why. So that is the exact reason why I thought this story could be fabricated. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. That's my dad joke for the day. Now you got to go. Um, yeah, it's why I thought it may be fake. I'm like, is it just going back down and picking up the same cinder block, dragging it upstairs? Like, what? Like, where's is it? Like an endless amount of cinder blocks? At what point does the cinder block break because it hits the gravel below? Like, how does this all work? Um, yeah, there is. Got- the problem is, is because it is in Asia, and I suspect China. Maybe we'll never know. We'll just never know. We'll never know the truth. But do you know how you storm the gates of any castle, any great castle with defense, Corey? Yeah. You bum rush them with thousands of soldiers, right? Right. Because how many thousands of soldiers can you fend off with your army of archers atop the great wall of your great city, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's all about numbers. Sure, there's going to be casualties. But I feel that this guy needs to take into consideration that if someone wanted to get into his house, all it takes is a dozen of angry mob mentality people to bum rush his front door to get to him and slay him. And the f- sad reality is, is that that dog may or may not only be able to take out one person. It does look like a pretty evil dog. <laughs> I mean, that dog looks vicious. <laughs> Also, how in the fuck does it have a cinder block in its mouth? That's a big cinder block. It's a and big It's like dog. one of those ones that are like over a half a foot thick. Yeah, it's pretty wild. That's definitely pretty wild. It's a big cinder block. Now, you know, I, I feel like I have to give points where credit's due that it is a very creative and maybe cost-effective security system compared to maybe like... Um, ADT. Yeah, but think about the time and dedication you have to have in training a dog to do this, to execute on it. Is there not another means to keep the solicitors at bay? Oh, I don't know. I have a feeling that a lot of his family members are like, why don't you just invest in some like camera systems? No, 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 no. (laughs) Me dog, it's going to be my dog. And you're like, okay. What accent was that? I don't know. Maybe you're like, it's so- going to be my dog. Like what? <laughs> the, it's like part Italian, part fucking Mandarin. Maybe, maybe Southeast Asia somewhere. I don't know. Philippines. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Dude, you just made up a new accent and I was able to replicate it. So that's what's interesting. But I just, I don't know. I There. There's no doubt in my mind that the man responsible for training that dog is probably a little cuckoo. Yeah. for sh- Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt about that. His name is Guarav Sharma, 32. Oh, wait a second. Um, wait a second. They, uh, they must hire him so he can train the canine division. The news came just five days after BBC reported that another man... Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Um... So never mind. Different different topic. Um, <laughs> some people thought he was a genius with mis- misplaced priorities in his life. <laughs> yeah, what? Are, the, do- yeah. the dog or literally the just human? the human. They say <laughs> this is how the article starts. They say a dog is man's best friend, but someone took it too literally. An Asian man was arrested after it was reported that he had trained his dog to throw rocks at people. When they were knocking on his door, the man said to be a loner who doesn't like to socialize and perhaps he doesn't appreciate it when people come to his house to bother him. But the police and animal division affairs thought he had crossed the boundary uh, 
and it was now considered animal cruelty, which is why he was ultimately arrested. Not that the dog was trained to inflict damage on other people, but because he trained the dog to toss bricks at people, they categorize it as animal cruelty. Which seems, Chris, far-fetched. It does seem a bit far-fetched. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) That's two for me! Yes! I'm on a roll. That's pretty good, right? Two dad jokes. Killing it. (laughs) I keep staring at the Frankenstein dancing in the background. It's mesmerizing. (laughs) He keeps fucking great tempo, dude. Yeah, he does. It's a good conductor. Yeah, Uh, we're actually waiting in the lobby of the uh, doctor's office. He's getting a colonoscopy. (laughs) Oh, man. Could you imagine sticking a finger up Frankenstein monster's butt? You know, a lot of people don't realize this. They would characterize and call the giant being behind me played by Peter Boyle and the giant being behind you being Boris Karloff as Frankenstein. But they are not Frankenstein. They are Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein is that guy. Yep. Frankenstein is the doctor. So it's really kind of annoying when people call the being himself Frankenstein because I'm like, it's not Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. So stop fucking saying that. And if Frankenstein got a colonoscopy, can it really be his colonoscopy or the man's ass that he stole and constructed? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. Yeah, I never thought about that, but that's true. It's like, it's a finger going in someone else's asshole, essentially. It's like, oh, you suck Frankenstein's dick? No, it didn't suck Frankenstein's dick. They sucked the dick of the man that was taken (laughs) from the dead body and then pieced on what we now know as Frankenstein. Yeah, I mean, if Frankenstein's monster gets married, who is she marrying? Like eight people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. How the fuck does that work? Did you get marriage certificates for uh, like eight dead dudes? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you want to know the other thing that really confused me about Frankenstein's monster is that they never, they never really appropriately depicted uh, skin tone. Like a variance in skin tone, ever. You have all these parts that are sewn together, but they're all the same color. I'm like, that wouldn't be the case. And you would imagine Necrosis would have taken over, so he would have been very dark. Yeah, like, there, right? What was, the, what was the Frankenstein with Aaron Eckhart that was just terrible? Oh, I Frankenstein? Is that what it was? Where wow. he's like, a, he like hunts. Yeah, he yeah, He hunts yeah. monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it I Frank? Is it literally... Are you thinking of iRobot? <laughs> no, I think it's iFrankenstein. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty shit. sure it yeah, is. Yeah, it is. It is. I've watched Two, it. Two thousand fourteen. I've seen it before. I like Aaron yeah. Eckhart, but terrible movie. I mean, all things considered, pretty pretty awful movie. Angels and demons, and Beca- then Frankenstein between life and death. Because he's Frankenstein's monster, but it's just Aaron Eckhart's body with scars on it. Pretty much. That's all. I mean, so look at this. this is stupid. It's just his body with scars. But yeah. if you were really sewn together or pieced together by multiple people, you would have variances in skin tone color, variances in skin pattern. Like all these things would be different. And I feel like there's been, there has been no Frankenstein movie that has depicted what it actually would be had a body been sewn together using multiple parts. Like, like this arm could be like a giant black guy's arm and yeah. this guy's arm could be like a skinny asian arm if i was frankenstein Why is that not i would the want case? chimpanzee arms that'd be crazy giant furry yeah. chimp arms and a real big old dick but <laughs> it the thing about those frankenstein depictions is like they're always thought to be like the Frankenstein monsters always thought to be constructed by a brilliant surgeon and scientist. Yeah. Right. Right. How come the sutures and the cut lines are so erratic? Like was Frankenstein drunk when he did these surgeries? 
because none of the surgical lines and cuts make any sense from a from a standpoint of constructing and reconstructing anatomy. Yeah, but if you think about like the like the time frame representation of Frankenstein was back when stuff was super primitive. That's when they were sawing people's limbs off, you know, in wars and shit. Like go back to I Frankenstein. So what you're telling me is in this photo Now in I- this now here's the thing. In this movie, I agree with you. It wouldn't make much sense, right? You wouldn't have these gnarly fucking scars going yeah, through his fo- chest. Yeah, follow that scar for a second. Yeah, and, and that's a where, that's like a thick line scar. That's a yeah. Thick so follow line. that scar and even where it kind of points up towards the shoulder blade. Yeah, look at his shoulder. belly. He's got a belly button scar. Here's the thing. Basically, what you're telling me is that someone just wanted the nipples off of right another here. human's body like yeah that dude has really nice nipples if i'm going to construct the frankenstein monster i want him to yeah, have nice nipples yeah it really doesn't make sense does it no it's like let's give him these nipples and seriously the flesh characteristics it drives me nuts it drives me nuts that it's like like that's just Aaron Eckhart with makeup yeah it's not frankenstein's monster yeah and that really bums me out yeah. So I'm waiting for the time of which someone makes a legitimate Frankenstein movie and Frankenstein's monster in the movie is actually depicted correctly based upon reconnecting human tissue and anatomy. Yeah. And and let's let's even be real to the old let's 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 scrutinize the old stuff too. Can you explain to me why Frankenstein head looks like an end table? <laughs> That is <laughs> that is a great question. <laughs> he doesn't even need to get his he doesn't even get his hair cut into a flat top. He literally has a flat top. Yes. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Now now uh Peter Boyle, much more believable. Yeah. Peter Boyle is Frankenstein's monster. Much more this is what I would think Frankenstein's monster would actually look like. It look like a fucking human. Yeah. Your guy looks like a I don't know what your guy looks like. You're right, though. Like, I, if he wasn't so tall, I'd just put a can of pop on his head. Yes. Yeah, that is interesting. I never thought about that. It's a good, it's a good point, head, though. Incredible at headstands, though. Incredible. <laughs> and I think there's more realism to the Peter Boyle character, too, because of the fact that he's bald. Yeah. Like, you would think reanimating dead tissue you're still not going to have like hair follicles being dead. Don't just automatically, I feel like regenerate once there's a brain thrown into a body. Now I'm not a scientist, but I would just assume whatever is reanimated and brought back to life. Isn't going to have hair. No. And Aaron Eckhart has a goddamn full head of hair. Drives me nuts. That's true. Yeah. Terrible, terrible movie. What just a god awful movie. I'm sure you liked it and loved it, but I've watched it a dozen times probably. Yeah, you watch some really fucking weird movies. Are they really that weird? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're really that weird. You okay. you you literally watch some of the craziest movies, like the dumbest movies I've ever seen. Maybe. Now I wanna say I'm not I'm not upset about it. But you watch some really dumb movies. And that's okay. That's who you are. That's fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, oh, here's another one for you. You ready for this? Yes. We'll get away from fucking iRobot Frankenstein. Did you hear the story about the guy who was swallowed by a whale? No. This is another one of those is it true, is it not true stories. But... Just for the sake of it, let's let's hear him out. Did it really happen? Questions are being raised about the real-life Jonah, the guy who claims he was swallowed by a whale. I just was in there struggling, banging. Michael Packard was lobster diving in Cape Cod on Friday when he says the humpback whale sucked him right into his mouth before spitting him out after 30 seconds. He was just going along, and I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whale of a tail sounds fishy, goes this headline. You would expect more serious injuries, one Cape Cod doctor was quoted as saying. 
he had no soft tissue damage and no broken bones. But this 54-year-old scuba diver says he totally believes the story. I believe it uh, fully. It, it is possible. Why? Because Reiner Schimpf had an almost identical experience back two years ago and has the photos to prove it. That's his body sticking out of the mouth of a whale who'd swallowed him off the coast of South Africa when he was filming footage of the sardine run. Without the picture, it's very difficult to prove that you've actually been inside. Whale swallowing humans is exceedingly rare. The odds it will happen are one in a trillion, according to one expert. He wasn't harmed, I wasn't harmed, and uh, it was like a happy end. So what do you think? What do you think the probability is this guy actually got swallowed by a fucking whale with no evidence, no injuries? Pump back. Human. It's real fishy. <laughs> Even though it's a mammal. Um, I don't know. I think the only um, whales that are capable of swallowing is probably sperm whales. Not a blue whale? Yeah. <laughs> I just got that joke. That was great. Good joke. Dad jokes all around today. The dad Ooh. jokes are funny. Those are pretty good. That's really funny. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know whether or not to believe this guy. I'm I'm uh I'm cautious in believing that I think it's I think it's the lack of injury as they've already kind of stated. Like the fact that you're like if you just think about the impact, even if you're just swallowed, it's not like you're essentially nestled inside of its mouth in the fetal position. Like no. there's going to be some going to be some shit happening. Like you're at least going to have some bruises, right? Well, they're te- they, so they don't have teeth, but they have hair, right? Their teeth are a, a, it's like a conglomeration giant, of hair. It's like a giant toothbrush. That they used a filter. Uh, food, I believe. Um, yeah, like a giant toothbrush. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I would imagine he would feel something. Like and probably be bruised somewhere or broken at least because the type of pressure applied to you should that sperm whale or not sperm whale the humpback whale clamp down which would be a natural reaction for anything that's attempting to swallow anything like is he just gonna like single swallow you like not even chew not doing anything yeah i don't know and don't you find it kind of Listen, I'm not gonna. I'm not calling the guy a liar. I just don't know. <clears throat> like he got out too, so it's like he couldn't have been swallowed because he got out. So right, which means he was caught in the mouth. You're just it? cradled in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I buy because it. it seems like such an easy story to make up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like, did he drive himself to the hospital? Like, what happened? What's more in the story? Did someone find him? Like, I don't know. Yeah. This is an anomaly. This is a real brain buster of a mystery. Yeah, I agree. Not sure exactly what happened. I don't know that we'll ever get to the bottom of it. What was it about this guy? That the whale was like... That humpback whale find him appetizing. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't look great. No. No, definitely not quality meat. Kind of looks like a piece of shit. Yeah. And I I know know if I saw a piece of shit in the water, I wouldn't eat it. No. No, unless you really had to. Yeah. You know, but that's different. That's bizarre. Yeah, it's a strange... I thought it was strange. Like, when I first first saw it, I was like, this is weird. And how big is the humpback whale? Big. Now, we know that humpback whales do, based on research, dive really deep into the ocean in the Mariana Trench sometimes, I believe, and do get into altercations with giant squids, which they find as a delicacy. 
giant humpback whales will eat giant squids. They like squids? Yeah. Not the other so, way around? No. They both attack each other, but the sperm whale usually eats them. Um, huh. So, thinking about how do I get on a humpback whale's, you know, restaurant menu... What similarities might this guy have with a squid? Hmm. Or is it sperm whales that hunt giant squids? I think I it's humpback. Know. I don't. I think I, I feel like humpback humpbacks are like slow movers. <sighs> sperm whales eat squids. There's a part of me that thinks that you just like saying sperm. I do. It is sperm whales that eat giant squids, which is very mm. fitting since a squid looks like a giant sperm. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> they do. They definitely do. All right. Humpback. We'll, we'll never get to the bottom of it, I don't think. I think the only way to, uh, to figure this out, Corey, is we get out in that water. Take our one in trillion chance. Yeah, and I'll flash my butt and say, come hunt me. Come back. <laughs> You're going to get molested by a dolphin if you do that. That's true. It's probably not a good way to go out. That's true. I'm sure they're gentle, but still rape. No, I don't find them to be gentle at all. Dolphins? Not a dolphin, no. I touched a dolphin, but I've touched a few dolphins. Yeah. Not inappropriately, but... Yeah, you, you, you tell me one incident where a dolphin got consent to hump someone. I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's never happened. Yeah, dolphins are rapists. They just fuck all the time. <laughs> it's dolphins crazy. are rapists. Yeah, agreed. Be a good band name. <laughs> <laughs> Next band name, dolphins are rapists. That'd <laughs> be pretty good. Um, all right, we've got a review to do. I think we should get into it. Obviously, this episode is themed out. Specifically around this review. And what are we reviewing today? We are reviewing the Tatuaje Karloff, which is a cigar that came to us as a part of technically the Monster series, which is such a fun series that Tatuaje has done for years now. The original release was the Boris, which is similar components with some slight tweaks. Boris is the name of the person that is behind Chris, who is depicted as... Frankenstein's monster in the original Frankenstein's monster. Um, Boris is his first name. Karloff is his last name. That's the actor's name, Boris Karloff. So Karloff is the second iteration of this particular cigar. It was released back last year in October of 2020. And I think that's all the interesting information on it. What I really love about it, though, is that like... They ended up making those um, Karloff cookies that you get on an airplane. Are those Karloffs? Pretty sure the cinnamony like yeah, those are delicious. Yeah, those things are great. Body of the monster. <laughs> <laughs> Again, somehow all the same color. All the same color. <laughs> um, before we get into the breakdown of the components of the cigar, Chris, can you tell everybody how we actually review these things? Sure, Corey. Each cigar review is broken down into three main parts. The construction, the burn, and the flavor. We then see if the cigar is worth the price for a possible 1% bonus or deduction. And then finally, we average out, out our individual reviews, giving you guys our total score and recommendation. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Again, it's been this, a while. I it been a, it's been a while. Um, this came to us October 2020. Again, part of the Monster Series. It boasts an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. We smoke this in the only Vitola they have available for the Karloff, which is a Grand Corona 6 and 5 8 by 49. The original, which is the Boris, was a Churchill technically at 7 by 49 This comes to us at a price point of 13 dollars msrp which is well we'll talk about what it is um but before we get to the breakdown of the pricing and the summary of the review we got to get through 
all the components. So, Chris, what did you think about the construction of this particular Frankenstein's monster? Sure, sure. Closed foot. Milk chocolate wrapper. Mild veins, slight grittiness, slight fuzziness. All characteristics of that of made of dead, rotten tissue. And very rigid. I thought if you were going to make a monster, this cigar looks it. The end. That was great. I have nothing to add. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely uh, the same medium brown in color. Obviously, this is a. There's a lot of tobacco in this cigar, right? It's a six and five eighths by forty nine. This is a long, skinny Frankenstein donger. The cigar that I had, you could tell it was very tightly wrapped, very tightly packed. It was mm. dense for the size, which is not uncharacteristic of a Tatawaihe cigar. And it gave me flashbacks, time of which I can reflect on the draw being too tight, which anticipated that I was going to have the same issue with this, just based upon the density of the cigar and how tight everything felt. But I would say aesthetically and appearance and color and everything else is a beautiful looking cigar. It's constructed almost flawlessly. I like the closed foot. I like closed foots on cigars. And I think I like them more and more now just because of that quick flavor to like that, that, uh, just that rush of flavor that just smacks you in the face just in those first two pups. Just you have a little bit of extra tobacco on the end. Some are like a shaggy foot. I really like that. I enjoy that more and more. So I really like how the cigar was made. It's beautiful. Uh, Chris, what do you think about the burn? It's a good solid two, three puffer cigar. It had a good amount of resistance uh, to it and a good amount of smoke production. I will say, doesn't it seem contrary? Doesn't it seem contrary to set this cigar on fire knowing that the monster does not like fire? It does. I thought about that when I was smoking it. Doesn't it? Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. It's like you're torturing this thing for your own amusement and enjoyment. Yep. Hmm. Uh, no outages. Uh, I thought the burn was quite well. I mean, it burned really consistently. Um, yeah, I thought the burn was great. Great words. Um, <laughs> easy going draw, which I did not anticipate, but happy that I got plenty of smoke in each one. Perfect burn line on the cigar. You think about it, you think about a cigar that's upwards, close to seven inches, you anticipate you're going to have issues somewhere. The more tobacco that is rolled, obviously, the bigger the cigar, the longer the cigar, the more chance there is, it heightens the probability of having something go wrong, like a pit or a run or canoeing or so on. Literally nothing. I was absolutely fascinated by the fact that the cigar burnt as well as it did, given its size. So for burn, if I was able to apply any sort of bonus to it, I would, but we don't have a bonus component and for burn. So I just want to say with a sense of enthusiasm, fantastic. Yeah. Maybe now, we should consider that. Bonuses. Yep. We could put bonuses on anything. That's true. What about the flavors, Chris? What did you taste in this long, Man. skinny, flesh-filled monster? Mmm. Yeah. Listen, it's a Tatsuwahe. If you don't expect spice, you're crazy. Now, 10% of it, right as you start puffing on this necrotic cigar, it has a strong bitterness to it up front and a good amount of earthiness and spice, which is really nice, especially if you like Tatsuwahe. Like, I to me, a lot of their cigars are known to give you that little bit of spice up front. And they generally produce spicier cigars, I think, in my opinion. Um, but what was nice about the cigar was that about 20% in, after you get through that initial rust, uh, like rush of like earthy, bitter spiciness, it really does smooth out quite substantially with a nice kind of bitter and, and sweet creaminess to it that honestly lasted for a good majority of the cigar until the end. It was quite consistent in flavor after that first little bit, but it was really good. And I think part of it for me also is I think the ratio was just on point with a Churchill. Maybe that's just me, but 
Um, I thought the flavors were quite good and um, very on par with a Tatawahe labeled cigar. Yeah, I thought I, I really like. So again, I'll reflect back on to the closed foot of the cigar and you get a, that initial flavor rush. So there is a high amount of pepper in the cigar, which is not uncharacteristic of a My Father or Tatawahe cigar. But it does kind of balance out very quickly, and it's certainly very woody. I get a little bit of that, especially on the retrohale. There's a lot of that that cocoa flavor, and it's very earthy. I thought this cigar was more more earthy than typically what I get out of most My Father cigars. Like, I just smoked the Don Pepin original, and it's... Obviously, they're different cigars, but sometimes you get a lot of similarities when something's produced at the same place, right? Mm -hmm. Even outside of like the production quality and all that, you can kind of figure out. It's like AJ Fernandez cigars. Like when I smoke one, I'm like, I know it's AJ Fernandez. And I think the same way about Espinosa. If I smoke an Espinosa cigar, if you were like, take the label off and I smoked it, I'd be like, it's probably an Espinosa cigar. There's just some places where they have certain characteristics about them. But this one, to me, seemed to just be a lot different from anything I've had specifically in relation to other Tatawahe cigars. So it was kind of like a breath of fresh air. And so I really liked, and I don't think it was an overly dynamic cigar, but I really liked what it did bring to the table. And when you like something as much as you do in like a cigar like this, smoking it for almost seven inches is a very pleasurable thing right? Mm -hmm. If you didn't like the flavor characteristics and it was maybe static or muted, it would be a very boring cigar and to smoke seven inches of something would be kind of an arduous thing to do. It's not the case in that. It's almost like, well, I could have just kept smoking that, you know, add a couple more inches to it or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, I thought it was that good. And and there's not, there's not a lot of transitions in terms of flavor, you know, from like a first third, second third and final third perspective. It's just really well balanced um, not overly complex, but I thought individually the flavors were good on their own and in a combination with one another, they were good as well. So I really enjoyed the cigar from that perspective. Yeah. So what about the price? Typically these monster series cigars are elevated a little bit. This one comes into us a $13 price point, which I think is pretty traditional for most of them. I think I actually just bought two brides not too long ago for like 11 bucks, but I think that's just cause they were still the hanging month. around. Well, I think there was the goal to make them around 13 anyway, but just because of the nature of like 13 and mm. like monsters and Halloween, you know, it kind of makes sense. Could you but, imagine if you made like a sex themed cigar and you just decided to be $69? Oof, I'm sure there's one. There's got to be. It's probably got lipstick on the tip. <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, Right at the head. What um, did they call that? What did they call that with girls who were... Just starting to give blowies. What was what do they call it? A rainbow kiss? Is that what it was? I don't know. You don't remember don't that? You don't remember no. like the whole thing around that was just like <sighs> so it'd be one guy. Why am I saying this? It'd be one guy and it'd be multiple girls, and it was they all put different colored oh. lipstick on and they would see who went down the furthest. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And poor Becky was like a always measuring stick. Yeah, poor Becky was always towards the tip. So Oh. Yeah. It's because her mouth was she like she didn't develop these this part right here, so she got really like small tight lips. Well, she was sensitive about that snaggle tooth too. Yeah, and she had That's a horrible true. gag reflex. Yeah, and Samantha, she has locked jaw, so she can't really open it up that far without it popping out of socket. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Anywhere, where were we? Uh, <laughs> price. Yeah, price. <laughs> Thirteen dollars for this blowy. Yeah, right. Um. Um. <laughs> Here's the thing, like, all right, I think the price is a little bit of a marketing ploy for this series, and that's fine. But I'll also is that put why it, it is thirteen dollars? Because I really I don't know if that's the case. So I'm gonna go with it because it makes sense. It in my does. Head. It does feel good that we're saying it that it could yeah. that it's potentially that. So yeah. I'm with you. I want to stick with that. Um, but here's the thing. So it's a Churchill, and you get a good seven inches of it. Well, and it's it, not quite six close. five eighths. Close. Close. Um, but honestly, you can get a good hour and 45 minutes out of it. Maybe even two, if you really baby it. And when I think about that being a $13 price point and then smoking, maybe two Robustos or Robustos back to back, like it's almost the price of two smaller sticks combined for about Mm -hmm. maybe around the same like duration of time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Kind of. Like if I, I see took, what you're like, saying. So thinking, trying to think about it very objectively. If the if the if I didn't like the flavor, let's just, let's throw out the wild card. If I didn't like the flavor, I wouldn't think it's worth thirteen dollars. Right. I'll just get that off the table. Right. But I do like the flavors. I like these types of cigars. Right. I like Tatuaje. I like this cigar. So knowing that I'd like it is $13 worth it. To me, it is just because of the nature of how much tobacco you're getting yeah. and the quality of the burn and flavor experience. And gotcha. so it's, to me, it was just like, yeah, I would. I don't, I don't mind spending 13 bucks every once in a while to have a car off. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. Right, you expect, again, like you said, the pricing to be a bit elevated for the Monster Series. And I don't even want to say elevated because it is a big cigar, right? Yeah. But it is a part of this series that you have an expectation around. And by the way, the Monster Series, although, and I wouldn't even call it gimmicky. Like, it's a cool fucking thing that they do, I think, Mm -hmm. with the Monster Series. Like, I think of gimmicks as, like, other dumb shit cigar manufacturers do. Like, this is just a really cool thing I think Pete Johnson put together because the love of this thing that is horror, right? And you just create an association to cigars with that. And you can do a lot of really, like, developed creative things around it. So I like the Monster Shears. And I also, by the way, you can tell there's nothing sacrificed in terms of what they put into them because the Monster Series, for the most part, have been some really really incredible cigars i love the bride i don't know what it is about that cigar but every time i see one i buy it i think i have like four or five of them just sitting down there now so there's certain cigars within this series that i really enjoy and so it's one of those things where it's like it's hard to call it's not really gimmicky because they are so good right and they Mm. are limited edition you get to look forward to it every single year and i'd almost pay more for that like to me i look at it and go it's fun it's anticipated. There's some hype around it. And oh, by the way, they're usually always really good. So for $13, and I make a comparison to other $13 cigars, I go, well, of course I'll pay this for this cigar. Like, this is a no-brainer. I want it because I really like what it represents, and I like the attachment to the horror films and all that stuff. But also, it's just that delicious. They always seem to be really, really, really good. And I like Tatuaje in terms of flavor anyway. I'd probably argue, I would say, across the board, not in any one particular cigar, but across the board are some of my favorite cigars in terms of flavor, hands Mm -hmm. down. Like, there's so many manufacturers that don't even compare, right? That's why I enjoy smoking Tatuaje as much as I do now. Um, So I think this really is worth a $13 price point. I would argue even if they elevated to 15, I'd still buy them. Yeah. So I think it's definitely worth it. it. Yeah, I'd still buy it too. So let's summarize. Let's quickly go back through, and then we'll summarize everything about the cigars comparatively. And then let's get to the uh, score themselves. Sure. Construction, Corey, 10 out of 10. Burn, 20 out of 20. I thought the burn was great. Super great. Flavors. Loved it. I really do. 25.5 out of 30 hmm. with no bonus or deduction on score or on the price. I thought the price was great for the cigar. Came out at a 92.5%, which is a highly recommended cigar. Nice. Uh, gave it a 10 out of 10 on construction. Damn near flawless, beautiful looking cigar. Love the color. Loved everything about it. Um, 20 out of 20, uncharacteristic for Tatuai Hey Cigar. I feel. <laughs> Not even Tatuai Hey Cigar. I shouldn't have said that. We're past that. But for a cigar at all that's of this length and of this size, it's just the probability, again, gets heightened that something will go wrong with the burn. And the fact that it didn't and the fact that it was so such an easy draw with such good smoke production and a perfect burn line legitimately all the way through the cigar, which, again, seems nearly impossible. Of course, it's turned to 20 out of 20. Uh, flavors, I thought, were fantastic both independently and together as a combination even through transitions although subtle um just really kind of hit every single time so there wasn't a part of the cigar that wasn't enjoyable for me and i love and it's worth saying the flavor rush you get at the beginning all that smoke from the closed foot i think it's such a good way to start this cigar so i give it a 26 out of 30 which gives me a total score of a 93.3 that will average out this cigar to a 93. Yeah. 
The number of the beast. 93. <sighs> the number of the beast. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoy this cigar, and I know there's still some out there that is available, and it just makes me want to go buy more. I really, really, really enjoyed it, was it a good. lot. I thought it was, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, probably I would say in terms of Tatawahes and, and specifically the Monster Series is in my top three for sure. thought it was really, really fantastic. doesn't beat the bride, not for me at least, but it's good nonetheless. So hats off to uh, Tatawahe for making another killer monster in the Monster Series of Cigars. Clap it up. Clap it up. Also... Let's wrap it up. I'm starting to believe I'm actually with the monster right now. Yeah, I know. It's like, settle down back there. I like how it's like, I just have Gene Wilder. Yeah. Getting just, getting choked. just getting choked in the background. Fucking love it. Um, all right, let's wrap up this episode. Um, Got to visit my cigar pack. But before you do that, you have to listen to the episode, which we had Alex on, which, by the way, giant shit show after I repu- per- like produced the whole episode, Chris, and then also <laughs> watched the video because I realized I was pretty inebriated at the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> by the way, got my new keyboard, so we're there good there go. now. Yeah, other one is definitely fried, um, but got my new keyboard, so we're good. We're rolling now. Uh, yeah, it was like there's parts of the episode I'm like, I don't remember saying that. Like multiple parts towards the end. Like I, I don't remember certain parts of the episode. Now I wasn't like super drunk. It was just, there was a lot that we were talking about and topically we were just switching very quickly. I'm like, Mm -hmm. fuck, I don't remember saying any of this. Um, could be the CTE too. Who knows? But anyway, so before you visit the website, which is www.mycigarpack.com, you can also listen to our episode with owner Alex because it is... It's pretty fucking hysterical. The whole episode is just one giant goddamn joke, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is fantastic because we've talked about it before. It's like, I love doing the interviews, but interviews with certain folks, and it, this is not a knock on you, but like there's an expectation the first time you talk to someone, right? And that mm-hmm. expectation is like, you go through something a little bit more formal in your conversation. But then as you get to know people and you have them back on and you understand the history and you know it, you're going to talk about the things that are upcoming, what does the future hold, but you also just get to sit down and be real with people. And so those repeat folks that we have on the podcast that we can just sit down and be real with are my favorite. They're my, my favorite episodes to record. So as I got to reflect back on the episode going through the production of it, I found myself laughing a lot just at how ridiculous we were the entire time. Uh, I had a lot of fun in that episode. So you can check that out. That's episode 201, last week's episode. You can find it and all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podomatic, Stitcher, YouTubes, um, pretty much anywhere. Just, you know, what I always tell people is like, you know, you can drop in a logo and it's like, it's available on Apple Podcasts and it's available on this. Just fucking Google it. Like, if you just Google Hot Ticket Podcast, if you use literally the most used website in existence being Google and you just type in hot ticket podcast, it'll give you every fucking option. Hey Corey, Corey, how do I find your show? So many people ask me that and it makes me so angry. How do you spell ticket? (sighs) Dude, it's sometimes it's hard not to respond sarcastically, but I have to do my best because I, I'm a man of the people. Um, anyway, reflect back. Visit show sponsor, My Cigar Pack, www.mycigarpack.com. June was a Fratello takeover, so there is Fratello five-pack cigars. If you subscribe to the Factory Direct program, you got the Fratello Factory Direct cigar, which was one of my favorites in recent history of the Factory Direct program. Uh, I thought it was a really, really well-made cigar. They all burnt very They burnt really good with the exception of one that I had, um, but they were delicious nonetheless. So you can check that out as well. Factory Direct program at www.mycigarpack.com. You can also visit our website, our website where we house all of our reviews. You can listen to the podcast. You can explore as much as you want is www.hotticketweekly.com. Just posted a review this week of the Don Pepin Garcia Blue 
which is the original. It's a very, very popular and famous cigar in the cigar industry. Finally had a chance to break that thing down. It's only been out since 2012. What took me so long? But you can check that out now at the website again, www.hotticketweekly.com. I thought that was very eloquent and beautiful. Yeah. Pretty good at those. Um, all right, let's wrap it up, Chris. It looks like you have a guy waiting for you in the background. and He's got uh, a pee. He's been sitting there trying to distract himself from peeing. <laughs> yeah, my my guy's cross-eyed in the background. <laughs> it looks like he's chugging. Oh, wait. it's fantastic love Peter Boyle Um, All right, that will conclude episode 202 we'll be back at you next week with 203 see everyone see ya thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the podcast we greatly appreciate it let me tell you how you can get a hold of us you can get a hold of myself at the hot ticket pod on Instagram you can get a hold of Chris at hot ticket Chris on Instagram as well you can find this podcast. It is available all over the place. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. And you can find the podcast available on video on YouTube. Look up The Hot Ticket Weekly on YouTube, and you can watch all the fun happen before your eyes. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. And as always, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes if you could. And check out our show sponsor, My Cigar Pack, at www.mycigarpack.com. Again, thanks for listening. We'll be back at you next week.